0: What is up, Bitcoiners? This is CK with another Bitcoin Magazine interview. This week, I have an extremely timely interview with one of the most important people in the Bitcoin space, at least in my opinion. Uh, We have the CEO of Paxful, Ray Youssef, coming back on the show to give us an update about everything P2P and Paxful.
1: Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to be on. You guys ask the tough questions and I like
0: that. Awesome. So I guess let's start with the current state of P2P finance and maybe even in, in a quick introduction into to P2P finance for the listeners. What has been happening in P2P finance with Bitcoin and Paxful since, you know, kind of Corona has has hit the world?
1: Well, the initial shock of it hit everyone, right? And everything. everyone in every industry across the board saw a market decline in uh, revenue and business. We saw about a 10 to 20% decline that first month in March. But since then, I think it's been growing anywhere from five to 20% every month, depending on the month. So people are, once they adjusted to the shock, they're like, hey, what can we do? Oh, there's Paxel. we can make money online. Let's do it. And people have been taking to it with great gusto. So it should make us all feel a lot better about ourselves. We're definitely in the right business, in the right place, in the right time. And we are coming to people's aid. So things are going well, very well for Paxful, for peer-to-peer especially, and for Bitcoin. I think we're going to see a big bull run soon.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I guess talking about that, like where, I mean, you guys are primarily operating in Africa, Latin America, stuff like that like what where are you like are you seeing any trends in any of these countries and
1: regions absolutely just remarkable growth across the board especially in africa and india africa is leading peer to peer bitcoin adoption still global bitcoin searches number of transactions africa is leading the way our influencer network over there we call them Paxful peers they have grown tremendously we've seen double signups tremendous interest people are looking to a business for themselves to earn money for themselves online and here we are and it's a perfectly legitimate sustainable business model and people figure that out they're really excited because readers might not understand your listeners might understand but africa's had a problem with bitcoin when you say bitcoin in africa everyone immediately like looks at you like you're the devil because everyone's been scammed in a multi-level marketing scam crypto mining scam or knows someone that has been scammed so when we tell them that, hey, there's a new investment opportunity here, but it's not an investment. It's using Bitcoin as a means of exchange, right? You can build your own financial services business on top of a platform like Paxful. People are very open and receptive to that, especially young people. And we started giving this message out four years ago when we went to Africa. Last year, we did a campus tour, and I was really inspired by all those young people and how how they took to it this new opportunity with great acumen once they understood it. So absolutely, this is only going to help crypto, and crypto is only helping the world right now. So it's a good time for us and for people, despite what's going on.
0: Have you been to Africa since the COVID crisis kind of hit?
1: No, I have not Planning to actually go there for six months and stay there from March to the end of the year. That didn't happen, unfortunately, because of COVID, but... We're shooting now for January when they say it's safe to go back and we can open up our two schools in Africa. We already finished the school in Kenya, but we can't open it because of COVID. And we're also building a school in Nigeria now as well, and it will be open by January. So January, when we're looking to make another campus tour in Africa and do a great deal of things in Africa, opening up schools, opening up several new wells, huge partnerships, and really bringing the African people into the conversation, not just as users, but as actual participants in this new economy that we're building. And what we're seeing is Africans are very receptive to the message now. Even African banks are reaching out to us now. So there is a great deal of uptake here, where the regulators are still trying to figure things out. The people are all ready to dive in here, and they're just looking for a path. They're looking for leadership, they're looking for mentors, looking for trusted sources of information. So it's absolutely an enormous time, and it really is a gold rush. People are kind of distracted by what's happening in DeFi right now. But Africa is the place. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like DeFi kind of distracts a small number of people on, on Twitter. And maybe, I mean, maybe it's bigger even in Asia. But I feel like for the most part, you know, Bitcoin is still the internet clearing layer for value and the most liquid crypto. So I can imagine that for your use cases where liquidity is so important that Bitcoin is the most useful currency.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why we supported Sony Bitcoin for so long, because we believe that all the momentum should be behind this one clearing layer. And that's really what's going to give us you know, maximum reach to reach everyone, especially the mainstream.
0: So I guess kind of on that subject, you guys recently announced that you were integrating the most liquid stable coin, which is Tether. It is kind of a divergence from what you've been doing previously, which is Bitcoin as the only kind of main trading pair on Paxful. Can you talk a little bit about that decision?
1: Absolutely. So it's really simple. Here at Paxful, we have three values. And the first value is the most important, staying connected to the streets. And that means you have to actually listen to people, have conversations with them. CEO of the company, do customer support every single day. Twitter, Instagram, WhatsApp, Telegram, anywhere and everywhere. I suppose I want to understand what our people need, what our customers need, what our community needs. And they've been asking for Tether. Why? Because USD is still the reserve currency of the world. Bitcoin is highly volatile. People just want a way to transact. And Tether, honestly, in most cases, does a better job of that than Bitcoin. So it's a no-brainer. Our people are asking for it. We're going to add it. If our people are asking for things like Dash or, or Ripple or, or BCH or Ethereum, and those communities, those crypto communities actually had a real community that they built up with real use cases, then we'll add them as well. We're not, you know, we're not maximalists here. We're optimalists. Ultimately, it's not about the technology. It's about the people. If technology can solve a problem for those people and those people behind the technology, most importantly, have built up a real community around real use cases, then we're absolutely open to adding that to Paxful.
0: So kind of on that, I would like to get a better insight into kind of like Tether usage. Obviously, it is new on Paxful, so I'm assuming that it hasn't really kind of permeated throughout the platform in terms of volume and stuff like that. But can you talk about like tether versus Bitcoin on on the Paxful platform?
1: It's actually gotten remarkably good uptake. We've been pretty surprised by how fast people have taken to it. We've done a very slow controlled rollout of it. We just launched it to all Americans today, but it's going to be a, we haven't launched it out to everyone in the world yet, but we will and once that happens, we're going to really bring out a lot of a lot of educational materials there and we think we could see a market increase in volume. I wouldn't be surprised in the future if USD Tether volume eclipsed Bitcoin volume. Not in the wallet, because it's $22, to send Tether right now, on the Ethereum blockchain, was of the gas fees. But in the marketplace, definitely. Because again, Tether has most of the advantages of Bitcoin without the disadvantage of the volatility. And we're talking about real people there for non-speculative use cases, it's a superior tool. That's the truth. So it's been doing very well, actually, and it's been growing. We think we're going to see exponential growth there by the end of the year. That's
0: very interesting. So, I mean, there's definitely trade-offs, right? It like, doesn't have the same censorship resistance as Bitcoin, but most of these people aren't going to you know, get blacklisted by Tether. You know, There would only be people that are targets in the United States or some other big organization that may end up on that list. It, And then obviously it's tied to, you know, any third party risk that is attached to Bitfinex and the Tether group. I'm kind of curious, like in the long game, how does Tether success, stablecoin success, the demand for that in the P2P sense, like how does that impact your Bitcoin thesis?
1: I think it proves the case, actually, because look at what it is. It's a tool. It's a clearing layer. And it's solving real problems for real people. And we've been saying the entire time, Bitcoin to be success does not need to be a store of value for everything. You don't need to be using it to buy coffee for it to be a success. It doesn't have to be a worldwide currency. All it needs to be is the clearing layer between all other currencies. That is a killer use case for Bitcoin and really for all of crypto because it's such a massive, massive need. Essentially, we are in the business of curing financial apartheid, right? And this is the thing that has kept the world economy, especially the countries, of the markets of the global south, in poverty for so long, it's apartheid, but it's with money, right? If you're black or brown, your money is not as good as the white people's money. And that's the truth. They can control how much money of your money they can get. And if they try to get too much of their, of your money by selling their money, their money goes down in value. and Then the whole economy suffers. And that is the reality that every head of state in the global south has to live with, now the people are not being held hostage by that was there some other vehicle that they can use to access outside liquidity before that if you are in egypt for example we were both born in egypt right egypt is a money prison it is literally impossible to get money out of that country it's also yeah, watch my grandma try to do it exactly so it takes right a lot of jumping through hoops Yes, it's almost impossible. You can't, you know, we in the West can't imagine what people in those countries have to go through. But now here with Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, Tether, and whatever other crypto comes around that manages to solve this problem expediently, builds a real community around it of real people, then that's the one to go for, really. We're in a very different place right now. I'll always love Bitcoin. We'll always put the vast majority of momentum behind it and support behind it because it is the spine that holds everything together. But right now, it's all about building communities. That is the work, product and communities. People in crypto seem to forget that. They're all too busy playing off with, in their own little worlds, you know, but we're in the real world, so we'll always adjust what the real world not, wants.
0: All right. I mean, I think that th- those are fair, fair answers and questions. I'm, I'm curious, like, do you see risk with the fact that, you know, Tether is kind of tied to a centralized bank account and all those kind of things? Is there, like, any sort of like systemic risk that gets added by including Tether deeply with on the platform?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's look at Tether as an entity. What is it? it? Was started by the guys at Bitfinex. Okay. Brilliant move. They created a tremendous amount of liquidity. Where is their money being held? Who has audited their finances? I don't know. I think it's a bank in the Caribbean. Etec, I believe it's a lot. I don't believe anyone has really audited. Their books, I believe the the firm that did it, had a board seat on Tether. So all that's pretty iffy. And if Uncle Sam wants to come after them, believe me, he will shut them down. And it might only be a matter of time before that happens. So to that effect, we've seen the power of stable coins. We'll probably be adding another stable coin as a backup, USDC as well. So there is definitely a risk there. I don't know what to say to the people there. This is, you know, the people of the emerging South, they're willing to take risks and pay extra just to be able to transact and do what they need to do. And if Tether opens up, gives them up a path to moving their money out and doing what they need to do with their money, they're willing to take the risk. Because otherwise, you're, you're like a dude in Cairo, sitting there with all this money that he cannot get out of the country, trapped. And as people know, that's a face, fate worth than death for most business people. So there are risks, but the benefits far outweigh the risks. And that's the word from the street.
0: Absolutely. Okay. I mean, all that is fair. And I guess, you know, trying to bring this conversation full circle and talking about LATAM, Paxful was one of the biggest P2P marketplaces in Venezuela, which is one of the biggest use cases in places that are, you know, using Bitcoin as financial infrastructure. Recently, you know, sadly, Paxful had to announce that you pulled out of, of Venezuela. I'm assuming that wasn't a very easy decision made by the Paxful leadership. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, having to do that?
1: Yeah. So there's an OFAC list. That's like the naughty list, right? If America doesn't like you, they put you on the naughty list. It's called the OFAC, and There are various grades of the naughty list, right? Um, Venezuela was in the gray area. Iran is still in the black, the blackest of the black, right? So no one can touch them, right? Venezuela has recently been upgraded, or rather downgraded, to the blacklist, basically the what's happening. The sanctions are getting more and more severe and strict on the people of Venezuela as they're continuing to suffer. This is not something that, you know, my heart wanted to do, believe me. You know, the people of Venezuela have been suffering tremendously. Imagine losing your family's life savings in a, in a week. That's the reality for people over there. We, as an American company, we have to obey the sanctions, right? And Venezuela has been downgraded to the blacklist right there with Iran. Maybe not quite as bad, but it's there. And we'll see other companies following suit as well if they have an American presence. That's just the nature of the game. We're in the era of compliance right now, and things are continuing to clamp down on us. So it's a constant race. You know, we give up Venezuela, okay? We can't help the people there directly anymore painful. The first step is that they made us actually ban the top Venezuelan bank from our platform. We had to do that because they got on the sanction list. Then more stuff getting added to the sanction list, making it nearly impossible to deal with the people of Venezuela, making it, you know, we need to increase the size of our compliance team by 10x, be able to cover them. And we weren't doing very well there. I mean, we weren't, you know, Venezuelan, the rent in Venezuela is $2 a month like let that number sink in. So it's not that much, you know, it, it can't justify the cost. You know, we've been taking losses with gift card trading in Africa. Why does it's the only way to onboard the unbanked? So we're willing to take that risk. But the people of Venezuela, they have other avenues. So we just had to make the decision. It was a business decision, a painful one, but it's one of those that we had to make, unfortunately. And other companies will also follow suit in the future, possibly now.
0: Yeah. And, you know, again, I think that this is obviously something where your hand was forced, you know, how does how does Bitcoin go beyond this? Like, you know, how, how does Bitcoin get to the stage where there's infrastructure that can't be banned that anyone can tap into? And, you know, what are the biggest constraints that's kind of stopping the Bitcoin ecosystem from getting there?
1: Well, Bitcoin can do that right now. Right. If anyone takes the time to learn how to use Bitcoin, acquire Bitcoin. Which is easy on places like Paxful. And it's easy to sell it too. With acquiring a Bitcoin and sending it out, that's all possible right now. Nothing that's permissionless. No one is going to stop you. The problem is, it's not easy. Bitcoin is still very, very difficult to use and, and difficult to acquire for most people, especially in the emerging south. We built an entire business. I'm making it easy to use. So when you when you take players like Paxful out of that game, you really raise the barrier to entry tremendously to that space because technology itself is amazing. It works, but it's simply not people-friendly. That's the truth. It's been the truth since the beginning. And there's still enough product. There are not enough product people jamming away and focusing on very clean, simple onboarding and UI, UX. That has to continue to happen. And I hope anyone who's listening to this will take that challenge and run with it. Hopefully for an awesome PO or designer, John Pax will certainly use your help. There's plenty of other places out there that need help besides Venezuela because these inflationary attacks, these currency wars—they're not—they're not not, the, the dark side is not relaxing the currency wars. They're stepping it up to a whole new level, right? So it's a race. We're gonna have to stay ahead of all these limitations and blockades, while still building out the simplest, most user-friendly structure around the blockchain that we possibly can. DeFi gives us an opportunity to do that, right? So I think it's a great place for people to focus on. And again, don't don't focus on the dark side, speculation, pumps and dumps, and all these meme tokens. Focus on the right side, the, the light. Focus on building real applications, real products for real people that are easy to use. That is the key. And
0: I mean, like you've been in the Bitcoin game, in the Bitcoin entrepreneurship space. Am I correct? 2013 is when you started? Yes. So, I mean, it's been, it's been close to eight years now, going, yeah, going on eight years. The Bitcoin space has evolved a lot. You know, are you surprised? Are you proud of what has been built? Are you disappointed? Can you reflect a little bit on the past kind of eight years of building? And, and then maybe after that, we can talk about, you know, what you foresee in the future.
1: Well, I'm very proud of the people of the Global South, particularly Africa and India as well. They've really taken things with tremendous gusto. They've overcome that trauma of all the negative press and all the scams, and they actually found a way to make Bitcoin useful for themselves, and they taught us what Bitcoin's killer app is. So in that sense, I'm incredibly impressed by the acumen ingenuity of, of our customers in peer-to-peer in the Global South. We. While the whole industry has been on a roller coaster ride of speculation, we have been steadily building up. So I'm very impressed by that. That is beautiful, and I estimate within two years or less peer-to-peer volume will eclipse centralized exchange volume. Where I am not impressed and seriously disappointed is in the crypto scene itself. It's been eight years, and still the best minds in the space are, are working on all these you know vacuous, nebulous technologies, not focused on product, not connecting to the streets, still seemingly anemic to the streets. There's only a handful of companies that have, like you can count them on two hands, that have built actual communities, user bases, and are serving along real use cases. We can do a hell of a lot better than that. And if you want to do better than that, come to me, come to Paxful. We're the guys that are making it happen on the street, on the front lines, every single day, no excuses, no complaining about anything, just making it happen and working within the framework that we're given, and trying to create a new framework above that—that's the key.
0: So, jumping into, you know, maybe what you see going forward, you know, what what trends are are exciting you, and what are you anticipating for these
1: next eighteen months? Well, for us, it's about scaling up our products. You know, we have this incredible wallet, which is very simple and easy to use. It's going to be the hotmail of crypto. That's what we're positioning it as, because we have all this experience with. People are not technical at all. and They want to get into this new thing. Here's how you do it. Our marketplace, making that safer, increasing our, our support, and building new products around that marketplace, right? Because let's face it, Faxful is a great system as far as a peer-to-peer Bitcoin platform. It's the easiest to use by far, but it's still far too complex for the average person. The average person doesn't want to deal with the complexities of crypto or with peer-to-peer trading or with chats and a trade chat. They don't want to deal with that want to get their things done so what we need what exciting me is that there's a new a new focus on product in crypto and we have something to do with that so we're putting together an amazing product team to be able to do that and that's exciting DeFi is also incredibly exciting I will come out right now and say I think DeFi is the next layer on top of the Bitcoin blockchain that is being built so if you think about banks they provide us with two things Provide us with a payment network, which sucks. They can't do that properly at all. And they also provide us with lending services, right? And that's where they make their money. DeFi basically takes all those lending services, takes it out of Wall Street's hands, and it's giving us the potential to have Wall World. So ignore all the DeFi, you know, meme token nonsense, like almost all scams, and look at the technology. Look at the ability to actually take the bread and butter of Wall Street, these brokerage firms. And put it on, you know, 800 lines of smart contract code so that anyone anywhere in the world can use it. That is absolutely tremendous. It's a huge opportunity. It's a huge opportunity for educators right now. Huge opportunity for designers, people that can take this amazing structure that's been built and make it simple and accessible for people of the emerging world. And Paxful is also focusing on that as well. Because at the end of the day, it's not the fact that it's decentralized or not that people care about. They just care if it works, if it works for them, meaning they don't have to ask or wait for permission to use it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the permissionless nature is really kind of like the key thing that people don't identify. There's all these other features that they think the world wants, but I really think that that is where, you know, that's the distinction between the current system, the legacy system, and what we're building is permissionlessness. Right. And it's going to be the permissionless system versus the permission system all the way until the permissionless system hopefully wins. Oh, how do you feel about like that f- mental framework?
1: That is the game. There's no ah. denying it. Right. Because this broken financial system that we have, even in the West. Right. It was created before mobile phones were even invented. Right. And the African people eventually managed to leapfrog ahead of all that nonsense using online wallets like M-Pesa, etc., which is wonderful. However, they still have these massive blockades when they try to interact with the Western world, and business is not allowed to flow freely. At the end of the day, our mission is really to restore a free money market. Like money should flow freely throughout the world, but it can't because we have this financial apartheid here. DeFi is one of the cures for that, but it's very, you, know, you have to tread very lightly here, right? Because you have, You know, you have Uncle Sam out there, you have all these compliance agencies all over the world watching this, still trying to figure it out, and here we are moving at breakneck speed. I think every 10 minutes a new Y token comes out, right? But these people are only thinking about one thing, making money off speculation, right? They're not trying to build real products. It takes a very rare individual to actually have the integrity and humbleness to talk to people on the streets, look at their problems, and then take this immensely complex technology and create something that, you know, crosses both worlds. That's the game we're playing. We are literally on the razor's edge of trying to bring this new world and bring out all this value out of the old world and to help all these people. It's a challenge, brother, but we can do it. We really can. We're doing it right now. It's just, we need those synthesizers, those people that are going to bring all this together have the vision and the balls to do that and the humbleness to actually interact with humans while they're doing it because there's no other way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like I personally I love talking to you because I'm just inspired by your practitioner mindset and just get out there and get on the streets and and make it work. I want to finish up the interview by asking like how do you do it? Because you might be one of the most productive people I've ever met you are so on top of what's going on in the greater crypto space, you're so on top of what's going on in Bitcoin. And then on top of that, you're building an amazing company, you're doing, you know, ev- you're working on every little aspect of the, the business all the way to support. You work at all hours of the day, I think you jumped on at like three in the morning for a stream for Bitcoin magazine. I'm just kind of curious, like, how, how do you manage, you know, this firestorm that's always kind of happening? And how do you get so much done?
1: Yeah, well, thank you for that. Uh, not having a social life is a part of that, but I've managed to squeeze in a little bit of that. I got divorced because I had to truth between my marriage and uh, this mission, <laughs> I made that choice. Not asking anyone else to do that, but everyone's different. Look, I just have to do this. I don't really have a choice. If I don't do this, I'll lose my mind. that That's basically the mission that I'm on. I, I've accepted this mission, right? As, as nasty and as difficult as it is, it's possible. And it's the greatest achievement of, the past 100 years, if we can do this all together, to break, to shatter this, this wall of financial apartheid. If we do this, humans will have abundance. There won't be any more wars, because people won't have to fight over things. We live in a world of abundance, and that, that, that dream of everyone being happy, of no one being oppressed or judged because of things that they can't change, of wiping out this financial supremacism and all this, this, this darkness, that animates me that keeps me going i can't imagine a life where i didn't have that kind of battle to fight you know I'll, i'm one of those nerds that grew up playing all those role-playing games you know very epic in nature right you start off and you've got a little wooden sword in this little village and you have to fight the little monsters out there until you make it all the way to that last boss right the hero's Most journey. People, exactly yeah a lot of people in this world they'll pump up the stats and they'll be happy to be the king of that first village But no, I'm going for that last boss, right? Because once that boss is out of the picture, people will be happy. I'll be able to turn to my family and they'll be happy. Everyone around us will be happy. Everyone will have things. There won't be any more need or desire for things, but we'll have everything we need. That is very possible. I know that. So if I know that's possible and I don't strive for everything I have, I can't validate my existence on this planet. That's just how I think as a person. I know that's different from how other people think about life. But you know that's just the culture here at Paxful. Me and Artur, my co-founder, we bonded over this. We are on a mission. We're going to burn the boats and we're going that way. We're not going back the other way. No way. That's it. That's the best way I can put it.
0: That's awesome. That's very beautiful. And you know, thank you for, for doing what you do. Truly, like I'm always inspired and feel blessed that a fellow Egyptian is, is you know building Paxful. Ray, where can people find you and who do you want to hear from?
1: I want to hear from the best talent out there, particularly if you're good at driving product, if you want to build amazing things for people. Like a mini CEO, that's what a product owner is. We need leaders at Paxwell. I want leaders. You don't have to be that experienced. You don't have to be that technically sound. You just have to be driven and animated and we will invest in you. I want those people. I want to create this next generation here. We're building 100 schools in Africa for a reason, right? Because eventually, I want to have that school for gifted children. I want to create a new generation of geniuses and uplift an entire continent. So, I'm looking for those those real leaders, right? The the true believers. Just come out and find me. I'm Ray Paxful on Twitter, Ray Paxful on Telegram, on Instagram, RayPaxful.com. I'm not going to give you my personal phone number on WhatsApp, but I'm sure you'll find me in any of those other channels. Reach out to me, and if you're like building things, if you're a builder and you don't take, if you don't take excuses for things, if you're that kind of person that, you know, got out of college and you were just roaring to go and go to these companies, you're like, what is this? This is just a bunch of potatoes sitting around doing nothing and playing political games. You've been yearning for some place to go where you can actually change the world. Come to me. Come to me, because I'm just like you. And we built a place here that is perfect for people like us that want to actually build things in the real world with no excuses to give in and no fucks given either.
0: Awesome. Well, amen to that. Again, thank you for coming on the show, Ray. Always a pleasure. And again, for the listeners, reach out to Ray. Like, you know, he, he's a very approachable person. I've worked with him just because he's so open. So really encourage you to don't be shy. You guys can find me at CK underscore Snarks. You can find the podcast at Bitcoin Magazine. Make sure to like, share, review, all that good stuff. Thanks for listening. Peace. A quick reminder that all of the content in this episode is for informational and entertainment purposes only. You should not construe the information as legal, tax, investment, financial, or any other advice. Nothing contained in this presentation constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, or offer by BTC Media, the Left Talk Bitcoin Podcast Network, or any third party service provider to buy or sell securities or any other financial instruments. Do your own research.